1: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, July 21st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show...
2: We are extending our executive orders to mitigate the damage of COVID-19.
1: The governor extends his executive order requiring masks and adds new counties to the list. Then, a Mississippi congressman remembers the life and service of the late John Lewis. Plus, where have all the coins gone? We examine why retailers are limiting cash transactions. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. More Mississippians are now being required to wear masks when in public. In an effort to slow the spread of COVID-19, Governor Tate Reeves announced the revised and extended executive order during a press briefing yesterday.
2: We are extending our executive orders to mitigate the damage of COVID-19. We are adding more counties to the list of those with enhanced measures, including requiring masks at public gatherings and at retail Environments at 10 additional counties. We have to take COVID 19 seriously. This virus is not going away. There are lives on the line. We extended this order for the 13 counties that we added 10 days or so ago, but we also added 10 counties. So we now have 23 of our 82 counties with a mandatory uh, mask requirement. The counties that we added were Bolivar, Covington, Forrest, Humphreys, Panola, Sharkey, Simpson, Tallahatchie, Tate, and Walthall counties. As a reminder, they joined Claiborne, DeSoto, Grenada, Harrison, Hines, Jackson, Jefferson, Madison, Quitman, Rankin, Sunflower, Washington, and Wayne County. The extension will run for two weeks from today. We will continue to assess in real time. And should we need to add additional counties over the next several weeks, we will make the hard decision to do so.
1: Mississippi saw another new single-day record yesterday with 1,251 new cases reported. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the recent upward trend is putting unprecedented stress on the state's hospital system.
3: As you've noticed, we've had uh, quite a run of days, over a 1,000, and we see no likely let up in that for the near future. Um, Any interventions that take place now are going to take weeks before any benefit is noted. If we look at the situation with hospitals, it's something that gives us uh, great concern. Um, Just as a a snapshot update, um, one of my staff just sent me that we have now 943 confirmed coronavirus cases that are hospitalized and 293 coronavirus patients in intensive care. That puts us um, looking at about 40 percent of all of our ICU cases have coronavirus. That's a phenomenal number, and it continues to grow. Just Friday, it was only 31%, so that we're growing so quickly really tells us that we're you know at the verge of really pushing our system over its capacity. Uh, in large measure, we're already there. If we look at the, uh, the number of hospitals that have zero ICU beds, uh, currently, that stands at nine. But if we look at the number of ICU beds available for the four largest medical centers in the Jackson Metro area, there is one ICU bed currently available. So, again, very very tight. We have uh, sixteen hospitals that have less than than ten percent of ICU capacity. Again, that's really kind of a um, a pain point for us as far as ICU capacity um, is concerned.
1: Governor Reeves says it's important to begin the efforts to mitigate transmission now to relieve the pressure on the state's hospitals. He's calling on Mississippians to lean in.
2: We want to slow the spread now so that our hospital system, which is already stressed, doesn't get more so. We're also working on additional measures to ensure that our hospitals surge capacity when they need to. Right now, we're not getting 100% cooperation. But we're working to do better we're working to to communicate with those in the healthcare care industry and ensure that they put public health first that's where we find ourselves today all of us as mississippians must lean in those of us that get up and go to work every day and providing food for their families we need you to do just a little bit more by wearing a mask in public and understand i realize this is basically month six or month, month seven for many of us dealing with the coronavirus. A lot of us are tired of it, but it's still here. And quite frankly, the number of cases on a daily basis, the number of hospitalizations, the number of patients in ICU beds, and ultimately the number of patients on ventilators are worse today than they've been at any time at, since March the 11th when we received our first case. Because of that, we've got to redouble our efforts. We've got to come together as one and make a difference.
1: Dobbs says without a reversing course, the hospitals could reach crisis state. And with hospitalization being a lagging indicator, the state is only now beginning to understand the consequences of the July 4th weekend.
3: If, if we don't see a decrease in transmission um, immediately, uh, then it's, it's pretty likely that the health care system is going to be thoroughly overwhelmed um, you know, and, and, and I know sometimes it seems like I'm doomsday, but, um, you know, how many weeks ago did we say that we're going to have a bunch of hospitalizations? And how many weeks ago did we say we're going to have more deaths? And how many weeks ago did we say we're going to run out of ICU rooms? I mean, it's happening. We're taking care of ICU patients in ERs every day. We've converted our ERs into makeshift intensive care units until we can find a place to put them. I got a call about sending a patient to Missouri yesterday because we couldn't find um, – uh, a hospital bed for a certain ter- person in the, in the surrounding states. I mean, this is a real situation that's affecting average everyday Mississippians, whether you have coronavirus or not. So, um, the, the main thing to do is we have to be careful. And, and I can't tell you how disheartening it is to get pictures and notifications from restaurants where people aren't social distancing or they're having huge parties, and young people are just having fun with no masks, like it's like there's no tomorrow. Um, social gatherings on um, you know block parties folks doing athletic events in, in large groups. I mean, we're, we're, we're gonna, there's a price for everything. There's no free lunch, and um, we're paying the price for what happened 4th of July right now, and we're going to pay the price for what's happening right now in three or four weeks from now.
1: In the week prior to the holiday weekend, state lawmakers were gathered at the Capitol daily to pass bills before recessing until the fall. Since then, 45 Capitol workers, including 31 legislators, have tested positive for the virus. Dobbs says the outbreak in the legislature is a prime example of how transmission and onset of severe symptoms manifest.
3: This also speaks to how the virus works. Um, Most of the people in this outbreak caught the disease around the first week in the first part of July and are just now manifesting disease severe enough to require hospitalization or intensive care unit stay. And that's why there's such a lag. The cases that we start seeing today may not be in the intensive care unit for another three weeks. So, again, getting what the governor said, what we're seeing now reflects what we did two and three weeks ago. So we've got a long way to go based on the case burden that we are seeing right now as far as the stress on the hospital system. And then uh, one myth buster for the day. Um, I've been getting these questions about um, people are filling out COVID on every death certificate, or if someone dies in a car wreck, they're putting COVID just to boost the death numbers. That is not happening. Um, Whenever we get a COVID report from a a, uh, death certificate, we go back and validate that they have a positive test. Positive testing is the foundation of our reporting. There is no goosing of the numbers with deaths. The people who are dying with coronavirus are dying with coronavirus
1: despite the continued rising trend of cases and the anecdotal evidence of transmission in places like the Capitol, Governor Reeves is showing no indication he will delay the start of school. As districts release their plans for returning to campus, many are indicating they're not requiring masks. Reeves says he will review district plans prior to classes resuming.
2: It is my intention uh, to receive uh, all of the back-to-school plans by July 31, which is when they are due uh, to the State Department of Education, uh, there's obviously going to be 138 or 37 uh, total plans. They're going to differ. Uh, we, we take great pride in Mississippi in allowing our local districts to make decisions, um, And but I'm going to review those once we get them, uh, and I'll uh, decide at that point um, if if the necessary precautions are being taken to – Uh, to safely return our kids back to school Uh, there is no question if you listen to the american academy of pediatricians that there are significant risk with going back to school but there are even more risk to kids by not going back to school but we've got to make sure that everyone does it in a safe responsible way
1: Mississippi has reported 43,889 cases of COVID-19 since March 11th. Nearly 16,000 of those cases have been reported in the month of July. Coming up, a Mississippi congressman remembers the life and service of the late John Lewis. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Congressman Benny Thompson was a teenager during the Freedom Summer of 1964, a campaign led by civil rights icon John Lewis to register black voters in Mississippi ahead of the primary and general elections. Thirty years later, Thompson would take the oath of office as Mississippi's second district representative, joining Lewis in the People's House. Thompson remembers Lewis, the man and the lawmaker, in a conversation with our Michael Guidry.
4: John Lewis was a very humble individual who never met a stranger, but was always willing uh, to take pictures with people who recognized him, had conversations. Uh, I saw everywhere I was in his presence, people coming up to him, thanking him for the good he'd done uh, in this country. And, you know, it just stopped Every community uh, that I've gone in, John Lewis has already been there speaking, doing good. So his work uh, speaks for himself, and it's a great loss, but I believe John Lewis's legacy uh, will live on.
0: That's. I do want to ask you about that legacy for for a minute, at least in in the way that you served with him. Uh, you served with Congressman Lewis since you assumed office in 1994. Uh, what qualities did he bring to the House that most personified his, his legacy as a lawmaker?
4: Well, he was a very principled individual. Uh, if he believed in something, uh, he fought like nobody's business uh, to get it done, whether it was equal rights for women uh whether it was voting rights for Americans uh healthcare for all john lewis was known uh for his great orator oratory as well as um uh, his ability uh to be persuasive he um uh, for the most part, uh, when I ran, uh, for office, uh, in 1992, I got a phone call from John Lewis saying, look, I want to come to Mississippi, uh, and help you get elected. Uh, you know, that was the kind of person I hadn't called him, uh, but he had spent a lot of time here, uh, in Mississippi in the sixties and seventies. Uh, and he said, I've seen your record and you're the kind of person we need uh, in Washington. So he came, uh, spent an entire weekend with me. We went from the bottom of my district to the top and all points in between. And, you know, John Lewis, uh, in so many words, was a, a living legend, and so many people were just awestruck at an ability to... Just see and talk to
0: him, <clears throat> Mr. Lewis. Impacted before, before even serving as as a congressman, as as a civil rights veteran and, and icon, uh, served served the black community in the South uh, in, in in heroic ways. What does his story and what he was able to accomplish in the South and in Mississippi? Well, what does what does his story tell other Mississippians?
4: Well, if you can only imagine a teenager in the 60s, going into uh, bus stations, going into uh, lunch counters, uh, integrating those facilities, Uh, if you can only imagine someone during those difficult times having the courage uh, to do it in spite of uh, getting his skull fractured, in spite of having dogs uh, sicked on him, in spite of billy clubs and other things uh, uh, being beat upon him, as well as spending over 30 days in Parchman Penitentiary uh, for trying to integrate uh, the bus station here in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, he never ever indicated that he was angry or carried a grudge for how he was treated. Uh, he was a remarkable person. Anyone who was treated like John Lewis uh, was treated uh, and not carry uh, anger for the way he was treated had to be a special individual. So uh, you knew it when you met John, and, you know, his, his loss is, is great. Uh, one of the stories I saw is that, uh, he walked among kings, but kept a common touch. And they said the king was Martin Luther King Jr., but, uh, he has his own, uh, history, uh, already written. And I'm just proud to have known him, served with him, and just have been a foot soldier uh, for John Lewis and everything he stood for.
0: Congressman Benny Thompson, the Democrat representing Mississippi's 2nd District, thank you so much for your time and your reflection on the late Congressman John Lewis. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Coming up, where have all the coins gone? We examine why retailers are limiting cash transactions. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: Hey, this is Malcolm White. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week we talk with visual artists, musicians, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app.
1: This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Exact change only. It's a phrase being seen more than usual at retailers across the state, and it's due to a breakdown in coin circulation caused in part by the weeks-long shutdown earlier this spring. Gordon Fellows is president and CEO of the Mississippi Bankers Association. He explains where all the coins have gone.
5: I joke that coins are kind of like the new new toilet paper. Um, they're, <laughs> it, it's just the next thing in the weird coronavirus supply chain world that, that, that gets a little little wonky. But um, the issue here is, is, it's not an issue of, of monetary supply. Right, we have plenty of money in the system. And there are plenty of coins. It's an issue of circulation, um, mostly combined with an issue of, of you know the, the the mints were closed for a little while, so. Um, uh, with, with all the COVID shutdowns, but for the most part, you know, 80% of the coin total sort of coin economy is, um, is, is existing coins that are circulated through regular cash, uh, interactions and exchanges. But if you think about how COVID has changed the way people shop for things, you know, I can't remember the last time I used a vending machine to buy a Coke or a vending machine to buy Mm -hmm. a candy bar. Right. And, and, and those are high coin. Those are coin transactions. Right. So so the transactions have dried up. It, it's not that there's not enough money. It's just it's not moving. Um, it's just sitting in people's coin jars at their house or at their desk. Um, in the meantime, um, you know, banks get their coins from the Fed or from um, or from correspondent banks who get them from the Fed. Uh, and, and and they're being rationed um, in, until the until the circulation you know, gets back to a more normal level.
1: Gordon, are there um, any states that are faring worse than others? And how does Mississippi fit into that?
5: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think uh, the first states I heard about this popping up in um, Virginia and Maryland, um, and, and then it, it seemed to impact Tennessee. Um, a couple of weeks after it started impacting Tennessee, we start here about it here. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's a nationwide problem. Um I, I, I'm sure it's impacting every state in the country now. Um, uh, and it's just it's just one of those sort of weird things that nobody expected.
1: Is there a shortage of one particular denomination over another?
5: I don't not that I'm aware of. Um, I, I think it's all coins and they're all just kind of sitting in you know people's houses. So and quarters
1: stuff. and nickels and pennies are all in short supply.
5: But as, as far as I know. Yes.
1: How many coins are produced by the mint each year and is that an ongoing process
5: yes it is ongoing um hold on just a minute um i don't know specific numbers um i can tell you that in the beginning of 2020 uh, there were four billion coins not dollars of coins but four billion coins that were circulated uh regularly every month um, beginning in April, that $4 billion $4 – billion coin circulation number dropped to 2 billion coins in circulation. So um, it's not it's not a production issue, right? There's, 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 the mints are working now, and they're producing coins. It's just that the total volume of coins moving through the economy has decreased by a little more than half. One thing that your listeners can do to help, Karen, is if, if they have excess coins kind of lying around um, – you know, in banks right now are, are trying to do whatever they can to help get coins in. So,
1: well, who banks, doesn't have a jug or a jar or a, a bag or something that right. they collect yeah. their coins in? I know I have that's a box right. that's full.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Me too. And but I'm also not going to. Um, I'm not. I'm not using parking meters as much as mm-hmm. I used to. Right. And so um, they're sitting a lot more than they did. So I, I'd suggest calling your bank. Um, and, and uh, you know, all banks, most banks right now, due to, to the high COVID numbers, are, have you know restricted lobby access. They're trying to keep less than 10 people in at a time. Um, so you, you may want to call your bank and set an appointment. But if you've got excess coins uh, and you'd like to get rid of them, now a pretty good time to, to go up to the bank and, and, and trade them for, for cash.
1: I've also seen that if you go to one of those coin change machines in a local grocery store, that you can do that. As well, and that money will get to the banks. Is that right?
5: That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's a company called Coinstar, and they're an aggregator. Um, so, and, and depending on the market and the severity, there may be some, there may be some changes in the fees on those two. But again, that's that's, that's not a standard thing. It kind of depends on the market.
1: All right. Anything else we need to know?
5: I'd encourage the the folks in Mississippi to, as they're dealing with you know, retailers that are struggling with this. Right there, just be patient. And and and, and there's not some evil conspiracy out there to, to take advantage of you. It's just it's a it's a it's a weird sort of complicated thing that nobody expected and, and, and everybody's trying to do their part to, to get it fixed as fast as possible.
1: Gordon Fellows is the Mississippi Bankers Association president and CEO. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Karen. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio.